be speaking a message of Pastor Steve's. And he had, ma- he had many. They asked me, well, what's your favorite? It's like, come on, that's a trick question there. Amen. Because there are so many. And I had another one that I couldn't find the tape. I'm going to find it one day. That's called, We're In It to Win It. Amen. In It to Win It. But I found this other one that I, I like very much. And it's called, Easy E. Amen. Easy E. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 25 with me this evening. Genesis chapter 25, when you have it, say amen. I'm not going to have you stand because it's going to be, it's a little chunk of reading we're going to be doing. I also want to thank the Lord, amen, for, for my wife and my family, amen. My wife, you know, uh, when I came into the church, we weren't together. And I had three kids. Two of them are here tonight. The other one, she was coming. She wanted to come and she got sick. Amen. A lot of people have been getting sick and I, she got sick, but two of them are here. I remember we were talking about it when we used to come to church. Uh, we used to sit right here behind this pole because they used to use that stage. And we used to sit behind this pole a little bit, a couple rows. And when the worship used to be on, Christina, right here, my daughter right here, she was six months old. I don't even, maybe six, seven months old. And when worship was on, she used to be in her car seat, and she used to be there, and we used to be standing, lifting our hands, and we'd look, and she'd be in her car seat like this, with her hands up in the air, really. And the slow songs came on, and everybody, you know, more precious than silver. Where's, where's Arsenio? Huh? And those slow songs used to come on, she used to be lifting her hands, and now she leads worship in our church, amen. She's a worship leader, singer. And so God has been good. Genesis 25, beginning in verse 24. It says, when the time came for her to give birth, talking about Rebecca, there were twin boys in her womb. It says, the first to come out was Red. And his whole body was like a hairy garment. Harry, I had a friend like that in school. Come on, you have a friend like that in school? Huh? I had a friend that he, he had a mustache in the fifth grade. I, I'm serious. He had a beard and he was shaving in the sixth grade. You know, he had a full beard. I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> he might get the tape someday. But it says he had a, his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After that, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. And the boys grew up. Esau became a skillful, skillful hunter, a man of the open country, amen, who Jacob while Jacob was content to stay home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. In other words, he, he, he came in from the streets. He was lived out in the open country. Amen. He came in from the streets famished. How many know the streets will do that to you? Huh? Right, men's home? 
Where's the men's home at? You come in, I came into the church famished. I think I weighed about 145, amen. And uh, I was thin, 145, 150, amen. And my normal weight was about 180. But I was sucked up. And it says here that Esau, that he came home from being out in the country, being out doing his thing, famished. He said, Jacob, quick. Let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. And Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. He said, look, I'm about to die. Esau said, what good is a birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. It says, then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Let's pray. Father, I pray that, Lord, that you would build people with backbone. You would build people here with heart and with strength and might and with a hunger, my God, not for the things of the world, but for you. And, Lord, that you would just strengthen your people, that they wouldn't be easy prey for the devil, but they would be committed and connected to you. Illuminate our hearts, every person, their mind, their hearts, and shame the devil. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Now, many years ago, Pastor Steve spoke this message during Christmas, it was a Christ, it's during Christmas time. He spoke it on December 5th, 2001, a long time ago. And when he spoke this message, it was this, it, he spoke to uh, he was, I know he was speaking to us about the Christmas season. In other words, he was trying to challenge us and to strengthen us because when we come in and we're new Christians, we're weak, right? We come in weak. We don't know a lot. And the world has many things that try to attract our attention, that try to attract and stop us from our calling and from what God wants to do in our life. And so I know Pastor Steve, he, he, was, he was saying, you got to watch out. It's, it's Christmas season. There's a lot of parties going on, a lot of family parties. There's a lot of uh, company parties. There's parties all, all over the place, Christmas party for this and for that. Right? And so he was speaking to us and, you know, saying, like, you know what, you need to stay strong. But this message can be applied to any time because how many know there's many seasons within the year? There's many seasons within our life. Or many different, we're all different and different seasons attract us. Some of you like the summertime. Some of you like the wintertime. Some of you like sports, football, when the NFL starts. Hello, that's a season. Some of you don't come to church when football season starts. Hello. Come to night service. And so Pastor Steve, I know he spoke this message to us because he didn't want us to be easy. But he wanted us to have the victory. See, someone said that all things are difficult before they are easy. Amen. 
Someone once said, pay now or pay later. In other words, that we need to put our hands to the plow. And we need to do our best right now. Pay the price now. Do a work for God now. Don't wait. Don't wait, you know, until things get difficult, until things get hard. Praise the Lord. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that we walk by faith and not by sight. See, the world walks, and some Christians, predominantly by the five senses, uh, you know, within our life, which are touch, smell, taste, sight, and learning. I was the same way. I, do, I did just about anything that crack cocaine told me to do. Amen. Almost anything. I mean, I don't want, I don't want no one to backslide tonight, but I used to love the smell of it. Huh? <laughs> I, I used to love the taste of it. I, I used to love to, I, when I was, I thought I was a chemist. And when I used to rock it up, come on, come back, come back. Put, it, put your hand on your brother if you see him going out. But I used to, I used to you know, the five senses, I, I, I used to, you know, the, the enemy had me just watching it. I used to be a chemist and I used to take powder cocaine and make a rock out of it. Smoke it. It told me to do just about anything. You see, this was the case with Esau. Esau the seesaw, Pastor Steve used to call him. Esau was a man of the world, not a man of the word. See, you can be a man of the world or a man of the word. It's your choice. Like Demas, Paul, Paul said that Paul forsook him because what? He loved this present world. Amen. And many people, many of us at times in our walk, we reject God and his call because of the things of the world. Because we love the world sometimes. And many people walk away, many people walk away from their calling Many people walk away from their birthright. Many people walk away because they love this present world. You see, church, to the non-believer or the common man, the spiritual things in life are not important as it was concerning Esau. They didn't matter to Esau. They were vague to Esau. They, they didn't matter very much for him at all. And many people are like that today. There's many people but, but, that believe, but still at the same time, it's not that important to them. In Hebrews, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12 really quickly. Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to begin in verse 7. You see here, let's go ahead and read it. It says, endure hardship as discipline. 
Because God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. You are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all human fathers who disciplined us and we respect them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a while as, as, though, as, best they, as, as thought best, but God disciplines us for the good. In order that we may share in his holiness, it says no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful. And later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Amen. Now, here in Hebrews, the writer speaks about how God trains us through difficulty. Amen. And Paul, well, the writer says for us to endure it. That we need to endure, in other words, pain out. Amen. Go through the trials. See, a lot of people run. A lot of people leave. A lot of people, you know, when, when, they, when God deals with them or they go through difficult times within their life, is that their first inclination is to run. But how many know we need to stand? Amen? We need to stand. See, that's how we were in the world. See, when we were in the world, we were easy ease. All of us. I mean, that's how I, you, you see, I used to run to the streets because I didn't want to deal with what was going on at home. Whether it was with, when I was, you know, at my parents' house or when I got married. Amen. See, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And the best way that, you know what, I would get mad, I would get frustrated, I would get upset. And, you know, and I was like, man, I'm out of here. Come on. And I used to leave. And I wouldn't come back sometimes for a week. Two weeks. A month. I would be gone. I would be on a run. I would be out there messing up. I would be out there doing some crazy, crazy stuff. But through that, God brought me here. Amen. You know, because through hardship, man, I was, you know, it was difficult out there. And I thought I was having fun, but, you know, it was fun for a minute. But how many know that, man, after a while, man, it, it gets difficult out there. And, you know, I was, man, I was, I wasn't eating much. Wasn't sleeping much. Man, I was going to work. I would, you know, I would go to work and drag for eight hours. But right before it was time to get off, I would wake up. Boom. Come on, somebody. Because you know what? I knew I was going to go hustle. I knew I was going to go score. I knew I was going to, you know what, I was going to make things happen. Amen. Although it wasn't easy. I would wake up. You see, but through it all, you know what, the hardship, the difficulty led me to the Lord. And God brought me here. You see, here in this story, I mean, here in this portion of Scripture, amen, God says, to endure hardship. 
And he says there at the end of verse 11, he says, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his what? Holiness. You see, it talks here about holiness, and we're looking at two individuals here. We're looking at Jacob, we're looking at Esau. Amen? Now, Jacob was a holy man. He wasn't perfect. He was a conniver too. But he was holy. In other words, he, holy means what? Separated. It means set apart. It means a cut above. It means chosen. See, in the portion of Scripture, my opening Scriptures, the Bible says that the Lord told Rebekah that the older was going to serve the younger. Amen? The older was going to serve the... So the, the younger was chosen. Huh? God already knew that, easy was, that Esau was going to be easy. He already knew what he could... Cause how many know he can see our lives? He can see what we're going to do and how we're going to react and what was, what's going to be in our heart. And so... To keep the, the, the line clean and to keep it pure, he said, you know what, Rebecca? He said, you're going to have twins, and they're going to come out. He said, but the older is going to serve the younger. Why? It's because he has been set apart. How many know we've been set apart? You see, the opposite of, of holy is profane. And Esau was a profane man. You see, the word profane means common. It means unhallowed. It means lawful or to be trodden or walked upon. It's the opposite of holy. It means easily accessible. See, we don't want to be a people. We don't want to be a church that's easily accessible for the enemy. You see, we could still be serving God, and you know what? We can get weak when the enemy comes. We could get weak at temptation. We could get weak when, the, when there's pressure put on us or when circumstances come our way. But I believe that God wants us to be strong. He wants us to be people that know that they're chosen, know that they're called, know that they've been set apart, know that they have a purpose in their life. Know that they're going to shake the world. Know that they're going to influence the world for eternity. That's how Esau was. Have you ever heard of the term, she's easy? Amen. Right? Back in high school. Oh, that girl's easy. Huh? It's not a good label to have. And we don't want to be that. You know, like, you know, a lot of, lot of people look at the church today and they look at the, the, the church in America and they say they're easy. They don't, they, they don't look much different than the people in the world. They're not staying, they're not holding on to the word of God. They're not living the way they should before God. And they're looking at us. And you see, because the world wants something that's real. They want something that's true. They want to see people that are walking in truth. People that are walking in with the fire of God. People that are walking with the anointing of God. People that are, you know what, that are doing great exploits for God. Esau was profane. You know any profane people? See, Esau had no borders or boundaries in his life. 
Profane people have no borders or boundaries. Anything goes. I remember Pastor Steve used the analogy that of no borders, like, you know, when you go into Mexico? How many of you how many went to TJ? Been to TJ? Right? When you go to TJ, the guards are out there and they're standing there, you know, and they're like, come in. Huh? Come in. Welcome. Welcome. Come on. Bring your money. Pasale. Come on. They don't, they don't stop you. You go right, there's no line. It might be crowded, but there's no line. You go right in. But what about when you come out? Huh? See, when you come out, man, the United States, they have a boundary. They, they have, you know what, they st- it takes you hours sometimes. It takes hours to get through the border on the way back. You know why? It's because, man, we're watching out. Mexico's crazy. Huh? <laughs> Mexico, well, it's crazy here too. But I mean, like, you know, they want you to come and bring your money and, and spend it. Amen. And so, you know, that, that is the difference. You know, we don't want to be like that. We don't want to say, come on, devil, come on in. Huh? Come into my home. Come into my city. Come into our country. Come into our world and, you know what, have your way. No, we want to put up borders. We want to put up spiritual walls. We want to stop what the enemy is trying to do. And when you come back, it, it almost feels like you've done something. I mean, like you've done something wrong, like you, you, know, you robbed or something like that. Because they're like, man, the dogs are walking by. You know, they got the dogs, and you're like, man, what if somebody, they put something in my car? You'll be in trouble. You'll be in jail. They don't mess around. Somebody could set you up in Mexico, and you'd be in trouble. Be in trouble. You see, the devil's a liar. He wants you, and he wants me to be easy. That's why... When the offering is picked up, the devil tells the devil tells us, especially when you're new. What does he say? All they want is your money, right? Especially if you say that all the time. Don't let the devil lie to you. He said he used to say, you know what? If you fall for that, he says, then you're you know what you're you're easy. The devil's because he's got you. If if you're thinking in terms of money, you're always thinking of, you know when they pick up the offering. Like Art said, his, his wife said, like, you know, what's wrong with you? <laughs> huh? That should be your attitude. Because God died for us. He paid the penalty for you and me. We don't deserve to, to go to heaven. We don't deserve to have a life of eternity before God. But he died for you and us. And we should be obedient to God's word. See, that's living for the world. You know, you're hearing the things in the world. All they want is your money. Instead of being a man of the world, if you're, you know, if you're a man of the word, then you, your word tells you that, you know what, give, and it will be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over into your lap. Right? That it's more blessed to give than to receive. 
that where your treasure is, that there your heart will be also. Or where your heart is, your treasure will be also. The Bible says you reap what you sow. See, if you sow, all they want is your money. If that's all you sow, all they want is your money, then you're going to reap from God as all you want is my blessings. Amen? And you ain't going to get nothing. See, how many of you know that you and I, we got to fight for what we have? Amen? We need to fight for what God wants to give us. And we need to fight for our families. We need to fight for our churches. We need to fight for our cities. We need to fight for the Lord. See, you got to be able to take a punch. Pastor Steve, you say, oh, yeah, you got to learn to take a punch. Because the devil's going to hit you. He's going to hit you. How many of you have gotten hit by the devil? You know, in the last few years, Aaron Tracy, we went through a difficult time. I felt like the, the devil slapped me upside the head. Slapped me around for a little bit. For a while. Amen. And I, you know, I kind of started believing some of the things he was telling me. And, you know, it paralyzed me for a little while. Matter of fact, he chased me out of my city. I was living, I lived in Tracy. Man, I had moved, I was living in Manteca, Mantuica. And I had, I moved for about a year. Going through changes, going through, you know what, all kinds of stuff. But guess what? We shook ourselves off. And you know what? We're back in Tracy. And you know what God is doing? Beginning to move. We're fasting and praying. And the church is starting to grow again. And you know what? We're excited. We have a plan. God is doing something new within our lives and within our church. We're back. But sometimes you're going to what? You're going to get punched. You're going to get knocked upside the head. But how many know you got to be able to take that punch? We're building new borders around our city. We're building new spiritual walls through prayer. We're fasting. We're praying. We're believing God. We know that God is going to do something, that God is on our side. And you know what? We are going to be victorious. You see, there in Hebrews, in the scriptures we read, is that the writer uses Esau as a person who only cares for himself, amen, and not others. Not his church, not God's kingdom, or anything else. Or the hereafter. See, you and I, we have to look and care for the hereafter. We have to look and care for the hereafter. And see, the bottom line is it's all about the hereafter. It's all about eternity, amen. Someone once said, that if you don't view your calling or your salvation or your journey through the eyes of eternity, that you'll never reach your full potential. If, if you don't look at the, how God called you and he separated you, he brought you into the home, he placed a calling on you. If you don't look at your salvation through the eyes of eternity, you'll always put limits on God. And you won't reach your full potential. You see, the Apostle Paul, man, he viewed God as, you know what, man, 
I'm going to do whatever I can for God. I'm going to live my life for God. And I'm going to spend every minute of it witnessing, doing a work. No matter if I go to jail, no matter if I get beat up, no matter what happens, no matter if I get shipwrecked, no matter if I get snake bit, no matter if they stone me, no matter what I do, I'm going to live for God. You know why? Because, see, Paul looked at his life. He looked at his calling through the eyes of eternity. And that's how you got to look at it. See, if you think about now, you think about, you know, the world and, you know, you want to, you know, sometimes, you know, I always hear, you know, parents, oh, I want to give my, my, I want to give my kids better things than I had. You don't think God could do that? God can do that. That's easy. Amen. God has blessed me and my family, even though we go through hardships and difficulties and different things. That God has blessed us in so many, so many ways. See, don't put limits on God. Don't think about the here and now. Think about eternity in heaven. Think about your calling as an eternal calling. Think of your salvation. Think of your walk with God as an everlasting journey. You don't, you don't, you don't think about he- like, like hell, right? You say, oh, yeah, I can't wait to get to hell, you know. I'm going to take some hot links with me and some ribs and some marshmallows. I'm going to make s'mores down down there. No, you're not. The Bible says it's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's going to be ugly. You see, we're only here for a fraction of eternity, a fraction of forever. See, the devil wants you to think of the here and now. Pastor Steve always used to say that the devil will give you a good time, but God will give you the what? The best time. The devil will give you a good time. Amen. He had some good times. But he's slick. Huh? He'll make it seem good. He'll pull the rug out from you. Amen. Amen. Right at the end, right when you think you got it going on, right when you think that, you know, hey, man, I'm bad. I got it going on. Whew. You see, Easy e didn't care about the spiritual things in life. He was supposed to inherit Isaac's blessings, but he was too busy in the streets. He was too busy in the wild country. He was too busy in the alleys, too busy in the clubs, too busy at the games, too busy in the prisons, too busy in the world, too busy watching television, too busy doing this or doing that. That's how we used to be. Too busy for God. And sometimes even now, even when we're in in the church, you see, God wants you to... God wants you to give it all to him. God wants more of you. God wants to get more into your life. He wants to get deep down into your spirit where he can mold you and shape you and strengthen you so that you know what, that whatever comes your way, that you're going to hold on, you're going to hold fast, and you're going to do what God calls you to do. See, now you're in the home. Come on, somebody. Now you're in church. Now you're in Bible study. Now you're hitting the streets for God. Now you're on your knees. 
Now you're going after your blessings. You see, in the Jewish family, the title deed is to the firstborn, right? Which would have been Esau. But God already seen ahead. It's even like that today. You know, when, the, when our fathers die, our mothers die, the oldest, come on, the oldest calls the shots, right, usually. And they inherit all the good stuff. Come on, somebody. Have you ever been through that? They, they inherit, you know, they call the shots, you know. My brother got the house. My other brother got the trailer. Amen. But I got a big house waiting for me in the heavenlies. So I'm all right. The first deed is to the firstborn. See, but to Esau, it didn't matter. To Esau, it was just a hill of beans. And Esau loved beans. Amen. And so do you. You love beans. You see, Genesis 25 said that Esau was a hunter. And he probably was a go-getter because he, you know what, he lived out in the wild. He lived out in the streets. He made things happen. See, when you're in the streets every day, it's a party day. Come on, somebody. Some of you were weekend warriors. You went out on the weekends only, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday. But others of you, you were, for, you were fully enlisted in the streets. Huh? Monday, Tuesday, it didn't matter. Thursday, every day was a Saturday night to you. Amen? No days off in the streets. You partied one and the same. It didn't matter. You see, to Esau, getting his birthright wasn't worth it. Because he would have to be the priest that God called him to be in his life. He would have to be a man of faith. He would have to set an example and do a work before God in God's house and in God's kingdom. But he didn't want it. And many people don't want it. See, he wanted to do whatever and whenever he wanted to. No boundaries. And you can too. You can do that if you like. You can live a life of no boundaries if you want to. Easy E did. Right? Easy E did. I remember when I was listening to the tape, Pastor Steve said, Easy E's dead. Because remember, that was kind of like a, did Easy E's really die? I remember Pastor Steve saying, Easy E's dead. He is dead. <laughs> but he lived a life of no boundaries. Amen. And we know a lot of people that live a life with no boundaries that die young. Amen. He didn't want to live his life on God's terms, Esau, before God, putting in work in the house of God, sacrificing to God, honoring God, worshiping God, being used of God, getting a hold of God, praying before God. To him, it was useless. And to many people, coming to church is useless. They don't want to put in, they don't want to put in time. They don't understand the importance of, you know what, of fighting before God. 
of fighting for their blessing, of fighting for what God wants to do. Because it's a fight. And let me tell you something, Christianity is a fight all the way. In today's terms, it would be instead of reading your word or your Bible, that you would read the National Enquirer and believe it. Some people believe the National Enquirer more than they do the Bible. Prophecy. You ever see prophecy on the National Enquirer? Lord's coming back. And you have a picture of, you know. People start selling everything. Start giving everything away. It would be like reading Wall Street instead of your word. Always on Facebook instead of in your word. Always on Twitter. Doing these different things when we could be spending time in our word. Just think if people around the world read their Bible half as much, even a quarter as much as they were on Facebook and Twitter. How this world would be impacted. Esau didn't want to be an example. Instead of being out evangelizing and praying and going to the temple of God and praying to God and sacrificing before God, growing in the things of God, he would rather... Uh, be out in the countryside, doing his thing, being in the bar, slapping down big six in the big house. Come on, somebody. In the pen, walking the yard, walking the streets, instead of evangelizing the streets and living for God. That was the life of Esau. But Jacob was a little different. He wasn't perfect, but he was, he, he made mistakes. I mean, no, Jacob made some mistakes. He was a con. He did a little conniving and jiving. But at the same time, is that he allowed God into his life. And at one time, he went after God. He went after God with everything he had. Bottom line is that Jacob had a heart like David. His heart was for God. And although, although he didn't do everything right, he didn't do everything perfect, he still had a heart for God. In other words, he cared. And he wanted something from God. He sought after God. You see, in Genesis 25, it says, Jacob stayed home with mom and pops. He stayed under the covering of the priest of the house, mama and papa, Rebecca and Isaac. Amen. You, you know, I remember guys, when I was young, we used to go out. We used to take off. Hey, come on, let's go over here. And they'd be all, nah, staying home. He used to be all, ah, he's a Wally, right? Right, Wally Cleaver, you know, call him a Wally. He's a sissy. You know, you call him a sissy or cha-cha or lala or whatever. And that was Jacob. Jacob stayed home, it says. He stayed at the tents, the Bible says in verse 27. It says, Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Why? Because Jacob, I believe, was being trained by his mom and his father. Amen. You see, his father, Isaac, the man of sacrifice. You see, his dad probably told him the story of the time that God told his father, Abraham, to go up onto the side of the mountain and to, the, and to uh, 
to sacrifice an offering for me. And guess what? Remember, he, remember, he remembers because he asked his dad. He said, Dad, I see the altar. And we got the firewood. He said, but where's the offering? And then his dad tied him up. Huh? And he rem- and then, but then, and then he remembers that just before God, I mean before uh, Abraham was getting ready to strike him, that the Lord said, stop. And there was a ram caught in the thicket. Huh? Said, Abraham, stop. I know your heart. I know that you love me. He said, look, there's a ram over there. Look over there. There's a ram caught in the thicket. That was Jacob's father. And also Rebecca. Rebecca was a woman that, you know what, in, in Genesis chapter 24, it tells a story about how Rebecca and, and Isaac were put together. And it talks about how Abraham told his servant, he said, you know what, he said, I want you to go, you know what, to my home country. And I want you to find a wife for my son. And he told him, you know what, lay your hand under my thigh. And I, you know what, I want you to swear an oath that, you know what, that you won't, you won't, uh, you know, find for my son a wife from the Canaanites. But you will get somebody, you know what, to keep the lineage pure. So that Jesus, the Messiah, could come one day through a pure line. And so the servant went and, you know, Abraham told him what to do. He said, hey, when you get to, you know, to, my, my, to Nahor, he said, you know what, the lady's going to come out. And she's going to come with a jar and she's going to give you a drink. And then she's going to fill, she's going to, you know what, she's going to uh, give enough. She's going to, you know, feed my, you know, the, the camels too, all the camels. She's going to get enough water for all of them. And he was like, well, but what if that don't happen? You know, what if, what if, you know, what if my journey ain't successful? And God's, uh, Abraham told him, you know what, if my, your journey ain't successful, then you know what, you are no longer under, you know, uh, under authority here. You, you know, you could do what you want to do. But Abraham knew what God spoke to his heart. And when he went, the Bible says that when he got there and he parked his camels, is a, a woman came out named Rebecca with a jar on her shoulder, the Bible says. And he gave, her, gave you know, the servant a drink. And he took a drink and she said, wait here, man. I'm, you know what, I'm going to go get enough to feed all your camels. And so she, the Bible says that, you know what, she ran back and forth to the well. She ran back and forth, filling the trough with water. Could you imagine? It is said that hungry or thirsty camels can drink up to 30 gallons of water. And there was a bunch, I don't know, how, I think there was like eight of them or something like that. That's a lot of gallons. And the Bible says that the servant watched her. He watched her to see what her, her you know, what, how she was going to act, what her mannerism gonna, was going to be. And the Bible says that, you know what, she didn't say a word. That she just got busy. She did a, that was the mother that Jacob stood home under the tent and was being trained by. The man of sacrifice and also a strong woman of God that, you know what, that, 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 that felt, you know, what God spoke into her heart and she responded to it and she did a great work for God. See, that's what God is looking for. God is looking for men and women of sacrifice, men and women that will go the extra mile. Rebecca went the extra mile. 
And in Genesis 32, and we're going to be landing really quick here. In Genesis 32, 22, is the Bible says that Jacob wrestles with God. Amen. Here's where he went after God. The Bible says that he was on the move. And he sent his family across the river. He sent his children, his family. And the Bible says he was there alone. And then he wrestled with a man, with an angel, who we know was Jesus was there. And the Bible says that, you know what, he wrestled with him until daybreak. And you know what, the angel told him, let me go. And he said, no. He said, I ain't going to let you go. He said, I ain't going to let you go until you what? Bless me. Amen. You see, serving God is like a wrestling match sometimes. Huh? We're going to have to wrestle with God. We're going to have to wrestle for what God has for our lives. We're going to have to fight. We're going to have to hold on sometimes until God desires to bless us. We're going to have to fight. It's not going to be easy. See, Jacob didn't ask for a tent. He didn't ask for land. He didn't ask for a new car. He didn't ask for a Hummer. He didn't ask for this or for riches or for rubies or for gold. He said, no, God. He said, I want you to bless me. You see, and a blessing from God has to do with the spiritual. Sometimes we just want God. We ask God for this and we ask God for the things of the world. But how, about, how, how many of you know that when we ask for God for a spiritual blessing, that we ask for God for his will and not our will, is that God will do more within our life. See, a blessing from God has to do with the spiritual. Jacob's parents were connected to God. They knew about God. They were strong in God. And they wanted Isaac, I mean, they wanted Jacob and their children to be the same. But how many know that we all have our own choice? It's all about choice. See, when we look at this portion of Scripture, it's all about choice. Esau chose the easy road, and Jacob stayed home. What about you and I? What about you? Do you want the easy road, or do you want to fight for what God has for you? So even when you look at the Bible, you see God used Rebecca because you know what? The Bible says, number one, she was beautiful inside and out. Number two, she was holy. She was, she was a virgin, the Bible says. And she was also willing to work. She was willing to work. She was willing to go to work. And God is looking for you and I to be people that will go to work. Rebecca was a worker. She had heart. She was in tune with God. She kept going until the camels were full, the Bible says. And how many know me and you, you know, you know when, when you look at, at the camels, they can be looked at as the people in the streets. Huh? They drink a lot of water. Huh? 
Not the kind we drink. They drink a lot of the world. And it takes a lot to, some of, that's why, you know, some of you were Bogarts. Come on now. You drank a lot. They used to they want to pass. Don't pass it. Because they knew it was coming back. And, you know, see, there, there's a lot of people out there that need the water, the holy water from heaven to come into their lives. And it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of running, you know what, to the well. A lot of running to the well of God. A lot of refilling. A lot of refreshing before the Lord. A, a lot of, you know what, picking up, you know what, something new. Picking up some fresh water within our lives so we can go out there with something fresh and feed, you know, the thirsty people, the thirsty camels that are out there, the thirsty ones that are dry. I thank God that there was a church like Victory Outreach that was out there. All it took me, I, you know, one day I was walking from Hayward to Dakota. Somebody stole my car, my house. <laughs> I was looking for it. And I said, oh, man, I know, I know where this guy's at. He's in Dakota. I'm, and I walked from, you know, from Tennyson, and I was walking down right here at Mission Boulevard. I didn't even know the church was here. And you know what? I was seeing flyers all the way. I was seeing Victory Outreach flyers on the ground. N Nikki Cruz was coming or somebody or, no, Art Blahos. Art Blahos was coming. And I was walking. It was like 2 in the morning. Because this guy went to the store and he never came back. <laughs> I was like, man. So I said, oh, man, he's in Dodge. And so, you know, I walked from there. I walked to Hayward. I mean, to Dakota, through Dakota. I walked all the way around down Alvarado Niles Road. Came back through Huntwood, through the back. And back to where I was. And, said, oh, maybe, and he wasn't back, though. But all along the way, you know what I seen? Victory Outreach on the poles, on the ground. On the, on the storefronts when I was walking by the stores. Victory outreach. You see, somebody was watering the streets. Somebody was watering, you know what, so people like me that were thirsty, that were looking for, you know what, for heavenly water would be able to walk and to come into a place like this where their lives can be changed. Why don't we have our keyboard player go ahead and come up, amen. See, God don't want us to be easy. God don't want us to be like Esau the seesaw, who gave everything up without a fight. He didn't even care. He was easy. He sold for a pot of beans. Huh? Don't fall for anything. Don't let the devil, you know what, get you. Don't let him throw the, you the curveball, the, the fried ice cream with chopsticks. Don't fall for, you know what, for the lies of the enemy. Get in your word so when the enemy tries to speak to you, when he tries to tempt you, that you can say, you know what, devil, you're a liar. God is my God. And you know what, the word says this or it says that. And God is going to bless me. And you know what, I'm going to hold on to the things of God. When it gets tough, when it gets difficult, see, God's got great things in store for you. Great things. But you got to fight. You're going to have to wrestle. You're going to have to take a punch. You're going to get socked up sometimes by the devil. You got to stand. See, you used to, you know, 
we always hear about the, the men, you know, they were bad in the streets. They were fighters and, you know, they walked the yard and all that stuff. And they come into the church. And the devil goes on their ear. That hurts on the ear, right? Yeah. <laughs> you run. We've got to be people of heart. We can't be easy ease. We got to be people that, you know what, that can stand the test of time. You know, it's great to see every time I come back to see Toby. He's still standing, he's still here. Cuba, where's Cuba at? Well, the first time when I come in, I, you know what I do? I, 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 when I walk in the doors, the first thing I do is look to see if the congas are there. I do. Cuba blesses my heart every time I see him. Still going forward. Especially when he threw that combination today. That was bad. I want to see you when, one day when I come back. Go ahead and stand with me tonight. God loves you. God wants to make you a man of heart and a woman of heart. A man and woman that ain't going to run. When under the gun, when the devil comes and messes with you, he messes with your finances, when he messes with your children. And we've been through all of that. But man, I mean, mess with our children. Man, one time, oh, I almost lost it. With this knucklehead. <laughs> but God loves him. I love him too. Amen. But I mean, I've been through that. And my kids, you know, they went a little wayward. Not in Hayward, because we were gone already. But man, we've been through some trials. We've been through some difficulties. But you know what? I'm fighting for my blessing. Huh? You see, the bottom line is it's choice. And when you when you look at it, is that what it has to do is that, you see, it's all about the future. It's because your family's at stake. Your, your grandkids are at stake. Your grandkids, grandkids, you don't know who's, who's God's going to raise up next. You see, through this lineage, the Christ was going to come. And just think about it. All of us, you know what, all of us that are here, man, because of one man, Pastor Sonny, answered the call. And he began to raise up men, Pastor Steve, Pastor Ed. And the lineage went down. And look at, now Stevon's here. Huh? Now Stevon's here. What if he said no? What if he said, I don't want to serve God? I want the easy road. See, Pastor Sonny's like our, like our Abraham. Pastor Steve. Isaac. Stevon's our Jacob. Huh? We're not calling him Easy E. He's not an Easy E. He's a fighter. He's a warrior. He's been through some trials, but you know what? He's a, he's a warrior. And he has a plan for his family, for this church, for this city. And it involves you. 
But he's going to need people that are going to stand. Your family's weighing in the balance. My family, your family. I want to open up the altar to come. Come quickly. If you say, you know what, man, I want to be a warrior. I want to be a, a Jacob. I want to, you know what, I want my blessing. I want to go after it. I want to be a man, a woman that's committed to the cause, that it's addicted and radical to the cause. I want to do my work. I want to do what God called me to do. I don't want to be easy. Maybe you, you know, maybe you fall. Maybe, you, you know, you get tempted and you easily backslide. You easily start drifting towards the world. No more. God's going to make you into a warrior. God's going to make you into a Rebecca, to a strong woman of God.